0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second podcast of IAS. We are kicking off the new season with a small introduction of our new podcast team. Uh, First of all, I will tell something a little bit about myself, so all of you uh, have a chance to get to know me better. Most of you might already know me, but my name is Olivier van Vossenberg. I am 26 years old, currently studying IRIS. The third year, I'm having the Russia module and the Europe module. And uh, for my master's, I'm actually planning to do something in England, but that's still for next year. So plenty of time, first thesis. So right now, I would like to introduce you to my uh, to my co-leader of this team, let's say, which is David Wiedenhaft. Please, David, can you uh, tell us something about yourself?
1: Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, I am 29 years old, staring down the barrel of 30, which is insane for me right now. Uh, uh, doing international security and the Russian module. Um, mostly trying to branch out and <laughs> further cover, I guess you could say, already uh, previous work experience in this field. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here with you, Ollie, and the rest of the team. Uh, so, if we could go around and introduce ourselves, we don't have to do like the full, uh, you know, social security no- number mother's maiden name thing, but just tell us a bit about yourself.
2: Hi, I'm Liz. I'm a second-year IRIS student. Um, I'm from the U.S. I'm going to try the specialization of international security and the Russia module. I'm really excited to see that.
1: What is your favorite book?
2: (laughs) Um, Even though it's cliche, Pride and Prejudice.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Cultural icon. (laughs)
3: okay. Uh, good morning. Okay. Good evening, everybody. My name is Vladimir Turko. I'm a third-year Irish student. I uh, have no idea how I made it that far, but uh, yeah, I'm from Belarus for my studies. I have uh, European security for the future, for the master's degree. I don't know where what I'm going to do and where. I guess I'm going to stay in Europe, but it's too early to talk about. Yeah, joined the podcast team. So far, it's going well, and uh, this is my first podcast. I hope it's gonna be amazing, hope it's gonna be interesting for you, I hope it's gonna go viral.
1: And Vlad, tell me, uh, if you could be any sandwich, what would you be?
3: Well, I would be the most obvious sandwich your mama would make for you. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> ham and cheese sandwich. <laughs> Fantastic,
4: thank you. <laughs> thank you. Hey, uh, I'm Noah, I'm from the US but I've lived overseas most of my life. I'm IRAS first year and most recently I was living in Vietnam.
1: So, tell me, what is your strangest experience with drinking Kool Aid? Mm.
4: Ah, man, it wouldn't be Kool Aid, but it would be uh, Vietnamese snake wine and and being sick for the next four days after that. So, snake
0: wine. So, there's a dead can you snake you and expand? scorpion inside
4: the wine, and it's kind of for show. You're kind of supposed to put it on your counter. And my friend was like, "Oh, let's drink it," and you know, we were eighteen. do all that and yeah and my parents are like all right go right ahead and it did not end up well so yeah
0: (laughs) very sad for you to hear that
5: (laughs) hello everybody my name is adrian i am 23 years old and i am from spain and i am first year student of international relations and area studies and what part of spain are you from I am from the Canary Islands, from the island of Gran Canaria. so very, very small place compared now to being just in the middle of Europe, really.
0: Cool. And I mean, you are quite close to the to the thing where the volcano is, everything is going on there. It's not a good place to be right now, right? But
5: you're... Oh, yeah. So uh, it wasn't in my island, but we got quite affected from the smog and all the smoke and like everyone is now like trying to flee. So I got a bit uh. out of hand because it was kind of expected, but wild as every volcano is. So it happened just as I was going away though, so I wasn't affected, but yeah. You can still see from the satellite images, the volcano just yeah. going wild. It's a tragedy. It's yes, horrible. Yes, it is. It was very, especially for the people of the island, because you know, like the richest place around anyways. Yeah. And seeing yeah. your house being flooded by lava is
6: not a good sight.
0: no, no absolutely not.
6: Okay, my name is Ramiro Zapata, I'm from Peru and I'm second year IRS and I'm thinking about taking Asia-Pacific module and um, Middle East and North Africa.
1: So tell me, what is something that you think is very special about your hometown that you think nobody else really knows?
6: Well, uh, we're very proud of our cuisine, so like we we don't do that much right, but when it comes to cuisine and culture, we really show it off. Like whenever we can so i'd say it about that
0: so what would be your favorite dish then from your region
6: um from my region specifically would be ronda criolla which is basically um like fried pork with um and potatoes but yeah definitely if you guys go in there you should try it
1: sounds amazing so uh also we have our very first guest here with us today we have a longtime friend of mine at least uh brandon sabin coming all the way from Oklahoma City, and he's joining us here tonight. (laughs) Yay! So, tell us a bit about yourself, Brandon.
7: Hey, I'm Brandon. I'm 29. I'm from uh, Colorado originally, but I've lived all over. I'm not a student here. I'm just visiting Poland for a couple weeks. Um, I got my undergrad in art, and I'm getting my master's about halfway done in medieval history. And with those two completely unrelated degrees. I am a navigator in the United States Air Force.
1: Very, very interesting uh, degree choices and decision. Um, And you, we were talking before, actually, uh, before we started recording about uh, possible PhD options for something that you'd be interested in. Um, If you want to share what you would want to do with that PhD and what you want to... You said you wanted to teach, correct?
7: Yeah, so I'm currently looking at um, schools uh, to try to flow into a Ph.D. program when my military service is up. Um, I'm looking to teach uh, history, uh, preferably medieval history at the college level. Uh, I don't really care if it's a prestigious college, just kind of trying to teach adults and not teenagers.
1: Wow, that sounds uh, like a, a dream for me as well, just uh <laughs> you know, absolutely uh, avoid the high schools
0: you know. <laughs> absolutely. I think that's the only shame about the whole international relations thing that it's maybe a little bit too contemporary for going back to the to the middle ages. but as a kid, I remember it was definitely one of my most favorite times to learn about. So uh, that's very cool. and um, Maybe you could tell a little bit more about what you're uh, doing now, the international relations side of it, because where have you been or you, you are right now in the Air Force? Maybe you could explain a little bit more for the people that don't know what it means to be in the Air Force. Uh,
7: okay, so the Air Force, as it, as the name implies, is the air component of the United States military. Uh deal with everything from cargo transportation to humanitarian aid to... Um, obviously weapons employment uh, in terms of combat. Um, it's pretty broad. Uh, any job that you can think of in a corporation uh, exists in the Air Force. Um, I started my career uh, as a public relations specialist, uh, graphic designer, videographer, and social media manager uh, for the US Air Force, So, which is something that most people probably wouldn't think exists in the US military. Um, I think, on an international relations standpoint, what it means is—I uh, don't know—read the news. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, I think uh, the intention for the podcast now is we—we uh, we would love just to have a bit of a conversation amongst ourselves and with each other, and. Uh, uh, we can pick each other's brains. For instance, uh, what led each of you guys to end up here at Yagalonian? and how did how did you hear about the university, this program? What made you decide that you wanted to get into this field of international relations? Because uh, I I know for me certainly it was a very interesting journey, and for every single person I've met thus far in this program, it's been uh, it's been a very interesting story to hear. So, Ollie, if you wouldn't <coughs> mind telling uh, me, like. What, what made you decide to be
0: here? Absolutely. Um, there's a little story behind it, because when I was 17 years old, I graduated my high school and I went first, I had the dream of becoming a businessman. My father had, has a big company in the Netherlands, and I always aspired to, maybe at one point, um, take his take over his place in the company. Um, however, after a few years of international business and some internships in different countries, I realized that this was not the thing for me. However, I was always interested in, in politics, and I've been member of, of a party in the Netherlands, um, since I was 18, and also been active in a party as a, uh, as even the, a board member in my region, and as campaign leader for a while, and also during that time, I was invited by my party in the European Parliament uh, to spend a day with a Euro parliamentarian, and from that point, I immediately knew this is something I want to want to do later on. This is, uh, I found it so so amazing, and my initial goal to was to finish my studies, my international business degree. Uh, and to then do a master in international relations or something related to that, but it just went a little bit in in a different direction. Uh, Eventually I uh, quit my, my degree in international business and I just wanted something that was completely different and uh, something related directly to international relations. So I found this degree and I thought since I was always interested in Russia and Eastern Europe, also the Slavic countries in general, because of course I know that Poland, uh, we can't call Poland Eastern Europe. Um, So that's uh, how I found Krakow and um, I just went for it. I thought this is my chance and I took it and uh, this is how I eventually landed here in krakow and i think it was one of the best choices of my life
1: and we have definitely had a very very interesting uh two and a half years almost so far um you know, we got here we had a whole first semester together and then we got into that second semester and that's when COVID hit and uh i remember we were all in text that day, uh, class that day and we uh everybody started talking let's, let's whisper the building finally professors like what's going on why are you all talking Like, well we have this email from the rector that says that we have to go home right now and that class is canceled and we all were talking with each other and we thought it would be we're taking bets we're like "Ah, it's gonna be one week it's gonna be two weeks three weeks I was like "Ah, it'll be eight weeks maximum I will not shave or cut my hair until this is over and then a year and a half later (laughs) I got a haircut finally
0: (laughs) He played the main role in the movie Tangled, you know, yeah. the <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I looked like a, like a, a curly brown haired male Rapunzel with a disgusting beard. It was fantastic.
0: <laughs> but actually, I feel even more horrible for the people that started uh, their year and didn't have the chance to, to meet each other um, last year, even. I think it was the second year, so... Maybe um, Ramiro and, and Liz, you could tell a little bit more about this, how it was for you, how you experienced this first year, because you didn't know each other until the beginning of this semester, right?
6: Yeah, well, at least for me, the first year, which was all online, was difficult to um, find new people to talk to, because it was just um, on Google Teams, and then after that, um, they, everyone would just like log off and it was difficult for me to find new people. Um, the, the few that I could talk to were because of group projects and stuff. And then when we uh, started our second year, I finally get to see the faces and I, I knew the names, but I could not associate it with the faces. So that would be, that was a little bit um, uh, to adapt for me to like, you know, associate names with the names with the people, but um, everything so far has been wonderful. What about you, uh, Elizabeth?
2: Um, Yeah, a lot of the same with what Romero said. It's very weird to be a second year, and we very much feel like first years um, in terms of getting to know the school and everything like that. One nice thing that we did have was a group chat that we were able to kind of get to know each other through that um, and through group projects and stuff. But uh, it was a very different experience to be online and now be in person.
1: And you were at home in the States at the time, correct?
2: Yeah, I was at home.
1: So you were doing, uh, what was that, 4 in the morning classes, waking up at 4 in the morning for class?
2: (laughs) Yeah, if a class was at 8 a.m., I was up at 2 a.m., so that was quite the experience.
1: I, I think I did that for two weeks when I went home for Thanksgiving last year, and I wanted to drive like a nail through my eyes
2: every single day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I, I fell asleep many classes, so... <laughs> we don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally pay attention, the whole time. <laughs> you can't tell them that. <laughs>
0: It is completely understandable, of course. I, I think I would be in the same situation, <laughs> falling asleep if I would. You're, you're basically your whole rhythm gets gets thrown all over, so it, it must be impossible to, especially do this in the first the first weeks, first months. I think even you you never get used to it. Um, well, um, also for Ayas, I must say that it was quite a challenging year, uh, regarding the rules that we could, uh, that we had to adapt to, and um we managed to to plan some events here and there uh we tried to do a lot of activities outside where the uh where it was possible according to the according to the rules um we organized walk-in talks especially where people could still see each other talk to each other get to know each other um but of course for a lot of for a lot of students who who didn't live in krakow this was still of course not an option so uh yeah we we had a difficult time and um I'm I'm ha- I'm very very happy that we're now back in, in the stationary mode and that we're back, um, yeah, in uh, in class again. Let's say. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, I mean, even if travel is becoming difficult again, like uh, uh, Brandon here just had uh, quite the adventure getting from America here, uh, even, um, which is very very interesting. Um, I mean, if, if you mind. <laughs> I think the most
7: difficult portion of my journey uh, was the delay at the beginning, uh, I managed to go a year and a half without getting COVID. And then as soon as I needed to take a test to get on an airplane, it turns out I had it, um, which was fantastic. <laughs> uh, so I got to postpone everything um, until my 10 day isolation was up. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm good now. And I'm apparently double vaccinated and I've gotten it. So I'm safer than anyone, <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. Uh, the But then it was just pretty much like a normal flight after that. Um, as normal as it can be, taking three planes to get 6,000 miles away. But, um, you know, the highlight of my trip was being interrogated by the Dutch passport control officer, uh, wondering why in the world I would ever want to go to Krakow.
0: <coughs> I am so sorry for that. <laughs>
7: I, hope, I hope you at least had free drinks and a plane. <laughs> One of
1: them. <laughs> so to answer that question uh when when you got here to krakow when you got here to poland what was the uh first thing that struck you about being uh in poland uh maybe not necessarily culturally but like the architecture the weather i know for me uh the this is unfortunate but the very first thing that struck me about krakow when i got off the bus when i first arrived here was was the smell of the smog and I was like, oh, this place is so beautiful. And, oh, gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> you know? So I'm curious uh, what it was like for you when you arrived.
7: Um, I don't think it was particularly... It, was, it wasn't a ton of culture shock. Uh, as somebody who spent five years in Europe already. Um, not Poland. Um, not, you know, anything east of Berlin. Um but i think i was prepared for the eu um Mm -hmm. and the certain idiosyncrasies that are involved with that but um i think the most eye-opening thing culturally here uh would probably be the the overt religiousness of um you know a lot of the political uh movements Mm -hmm. um being from america i'm no stranger to bible belt politics but Uh, I think, you know, that interconnection of Catholicism with decision making here in Poland is probably the most uh, eye opening thing for me, uh, especially as somebody who is non-religious and, um, you know, admittedly very, very left when it comes to the political spectrum.
1: Yeah, this is very different, uh, especially from, uh, like, Germany, where we were before uh, a long time ago, whereas... uh, at least in our limited experience, bringing religion into any sort of political discussion was practically like a taboo. Yeah, exactly. You know, they like, you know, there's the political life and then there's the religious life, and they're very, very separate. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: yeah, yeah. Also, I also came here from, from Belarus, which is one of the most post-Soviet countries, and of course, because of that, Uh, Fact it's very very much not religious country when I came here even though I came from pretty much dictatorship country I was very much surprised how how religion can influence politics so much because for me it's something like uh, The last thing that, that, that would influence politics honestly
1: well, that's uh, I think that's a big part of this uh, degree in this field that we, we're studying in right now is like learning about different people's countries and different people's cultures and being exposed to these things um, uh, you know, being from the Bible Belt, uh, but also uh, you know a very Protestant area is very interesting um, yeah you know, <laughs> particularly being considered um, uh, yeah you know, not uh be, be still being an outsider i i guess you could say to that sort of uh perspective but um w- what about the rest of you guys what was the very first thing that struck you guys about poland or uh the cuisine or culture i know some of you have m- traveled quite extensively
4: yeah so i guess i'll just i've lived in poland before but when i first got back here um i was coming from living in vietnam and um uh, the culture here with masks and everything was a big shocker because um, first nine months I lived in Vietnam were, were great. We didn't have a single community transmission case in my city, well a few, but they were all taken care of within a week. Um, and then we in April we, went, we had our first case and from then we went into military lockdown. Uh, no grocery stores were open. There were checkpoints every maybe 100 meters on the street. And if you didn't wear your mask outside, you were in a lot of trouble. Um, you would get fined a lot of money. And so, yeah, it was it was a total shocker when I got out of the airport and everyone starts taking their mask off and people start looking at me weird for having it on. I know it's a small thing, but it was just really weird because it became habit after a while.
5: Yeah, now that you mention it, in, in Spain it was uh, almost basically the same as in Vietnam. Like, even if you were outside, now, after August, when everything was kind of under control, people would look at you. If you didn't wear the mask, you would almost feel compelled because of the looks people gave you. But now here is completely different and I guess the only cultural shock for me and I think it's the only thing that really gets under my skin almost and will after three years probably is people not smiling at you, not even in the that restaurants, thing, hotels, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's because of the weather, people being Slavic, I don't know where it's coming <laughs> from, very... Right, coming from a (laughs) a, a very warm and and welcoming place, like restaurants, hotels, everyone would be smiling at you and be like, hey, what kind of deal for you? Have a nice day and whatever. And I remember- Hospitality. Yes, and I remember arriving here on my first day, not knowing anything about Polish, arriving to the the student dormitory and arriving there, and the guy, this guy with this very straight face, just about to murder you, being like, what do you want? (laughs) Like, Well, I'm here for a reason, please, could you? I don't know. Help me out. Give me a hand. I'm just a poor student from Spain. Help me, please. <laughs> yeah, that has been the, the only cultural shock so far, I have to say.
1: The differences in hospitality and uh, perceived warmth.
3: Well, well, you know, uh, okay, I feel like everybody against me, right? <laughs> in this case, I have to somehow defend this. Well, what, what we usually say in this case... Uh, That we don't have fake emotions, you know, we just don't do fake smiles. This We smile when we feel like we're smiling. Come on, guys.
1: No, that is uh, definitely something I've been told quite a bit is that, uh, I mean, me especially coming from the uh, southern states of uh, the United States of America, Where it's like, you'll be driving down the road and you just like casually wave to, you know, the guy walking down the side of the road. Like, you're in a car, you're not even on the same sidewalk He's like, hi, how are you doing today? Um, I've been told that that is perceived quite frequently as being uh, fake. And uh, to which I'm like, oh, it's not fake, but maybe we're just not... uh, Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, was well, trying to look to the best. I guess I guess that, <laughs>
3: that that in Poland, just like pretty much in every Eastern European country, as well as in Belarus and Russia, when you smile to people too much, that they might think that you're a little bit weird or something. Yeah. So, uh,
1: that was... Uh, Ollie has uh, some experience dealing with Germans as well, but for me, uh, that was... Uh, when I first went to Germany, that was a big culture shock moment. I went in, I went to go buy a SIM card for my cell phone, and... Um, Uh, the lady behind the counter, like very, very serious face. And she almost looked angry and like, we're talking. And then after a little while of talking to her, I realized, holy crap, this lady's actually joking with me. It's just her sense of humor. is like, so like different than what I'm used to from back home. Uh, And that, that was a good moment for me when I realized I was like, okay this this place is not inhospitable to me it's just you know different and you know me smiling so much it was actually considered maniacal
0: what i what i also think in the case of poland for example if you look at their history uh, you kind of almost start to understand why people are gener- generally more cynical and more pessimistic about lives if we see in in the aspect of international relations the last 100 years the poles haven't had a very good experience um, one hundred. <laughs> well, um, right. <clears> throat> throat>
1: bad yeah. Time
0: for I, I'm being corrected. I, I was just uh, <laughs> summing up the last hundred years, but of course, um, probably way longer. I I must admit I'm not an expert on Polish history, yeah. um, but I think they om- it, it, the last centuries gave them a reason to become cynical and less enthusiastic about mm-hmm. what life can bring them and how pol- uh, how politics work and how people are um, so I think this definitely uh, plays a role in their culture I don't know um, maybe we still have to answer maybe someone can can support me in this point oh absolutely yeah,
2: yeah. Um, just like one of the s- smaller things that um, was a culture shock was going grocery shopping for the first time I mean I didn't recognize any of the brands and I don't speak Polish so that was a little bit interesting but then when we went when I went to check out um, not I didn't have a bag and you have to bag your groceries. You have to bring a bag. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay." <laughs> so that was um, that was interesting. I like I like that system now. I think it's really eco friendly. But um, the first time, I was really caught off guard.
1: Yeah, because back home where uh, we come from, uh, the, the the plastic bags are included, uh, you know, basically for free, and uh, somebody else usually is. There's a grocer. Who bags all the food for you and you just carry it out yourself. But but it sounds really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: But 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 you guys also have to consider that in Europe a lot of people just hate Americans. So maybe they just they <laughs> <That is true. laughs> so maybe they just didn't give you they actually have bags. Because I always provided with the bags when I go to the shop. <laughs> no, I'm kidding for but about 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 the grocery shops. For me, probably one of the biggest shocks was that have you seen how many alcohol they have in a usual grocery store you know i came from belarus and of course like between european countries there is like a always a rivalry who's drinking the most and i thought we're winning i always thought but i came to poland guys i have to say i have never seen so much alcohol in a grocery shop as in poland (laughs)
1: <laughs> really? Because you, you've been to Moscow before, right? And for me, the, the stereotype is that you can just buy shots at the gas station there. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, okay. Okay. The thing is, in Russia, they sell
3: a lot of alcohol, but they sell it like in a special corner and they close it in the evening and you cannot enter it there. But here in Poland, they uh, sell it just behind Kesha. You know, you can just just enter the shop and the first thing you see is uh, alcohol. So. so they
4: have a word here for the walls of alcohol Yeah,
3: in Poland. they call it Polish wallpaper. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Uh,
1: So, uh, especially because uh, like every zhapka basically sells alcohol of uh, wide varieties now but I think there was a there was something I saw in the newspaper that was saying that Nobody in Poland now lives more than like what was it, three hundred meters away from a zapka, you know, <laughs> from bottle of vodka. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that basically means like, nobody is more than three hundred meters away from a you know a little morning pick me up or uh, <laughs> or as uh, students uh, a little late night uh, you know relaxant uh, conversation starter, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the only the only yeah. shop that works on the weekend, by the way. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And on festive days.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's very true, Jopka, We love you. You're not sponsoring us, but you should. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Japka, contact us. <laughs> so I'm wondering, Ramiro, that you have any shocking experiences here in Poland, because of course Peru is really at the other side of the world. So you must think there are some big differences.
6: Yeah. Well, for me, I had to discover the hard way that you don't really do the kiss in the cheek here. I actually got pushed a couple of times, because at least in Peru, like it doesn't matter uh, when you meet a girl, like it doesn't matter if you know her or not. You would kiss her on the cheek. And so, like, I completely forgot about that, and it was a complete faux pas here. So when I actually get pushed a couple of times on there, okay, so it, when you come here, just like you know, the, the handshake is like the safe option. But yeah, I, I was, I was like, okay, okay, I'm, am really sorry about that. But there's a confusion here. I'm not being weird or anything, but you know, it's just, it's just how it is. But yeah, um, that was, that was a shock for me, and especially how much people smoke here. Like, I don't want to talk trash about it, but. Uh, of course, they smoke in Peru, but it's, it's not that like everywhere. Like, I, oh my God, I was I was really shocked. Uh, I I thought I was mentally prepared, but apparently I'm still adapting to that. So yeah. Uh,
1: definitely, the uh, kissing on the cheek is something that even after being here for so many years, um, I still definitely struggle with. Because each each European country, it seems. Does it? Uh, not just the European countries, but it seems like the countries that do have that culture, like there's, you know, maybe you kiss both cheeks, or you kiss oh, like okay. one, you do the one, two, three, or whatever. I never know which way to move my head, and um, yeah, it, it's very strange for me still, I and mean, sometimes awkward. I yeah, just, I, I just, twenty nine years old. <laughs> I just, I
3: just wanna, I just wanna remind our listeners that we're recording this podcast a day before the Independence Day of Poland, so please. <laughs> Tomorrow nobody kisses anyone in the chicken in public <laughs> <laughs> you might end up not a very good situation.
1: <laughs> There's uh, something also that we've we've been told about numerous times was to uh, watch out for a bit of uh, light hooliganism on Polish Independence Day. Do you have anything to say about that?
4: Yeah, several um, experiences. Uh, my first experiences with hooligans in Poland where I was uh, 16, I was out with friends, and then we see these buses drive. And the, it's they're public buses, but they're shaking. I mean, you can see the buses' suspension just at its limits. And following the buses, and in front of them are SWAT cars. Uh, Polish SWAT with, you know, full armor. And then we just hear this crash, and one of the bus doors goes flying off the bus. And these hooligans... <laughs> are so proud of themselves. Like, like just, woo, we did it. Like, breaking out the door. They start to break out of the bus, which, by the way, is giving them free transport to the to football stadium they're going to. And, or soccer. Sorry, I'm American. Um, How and, dare you. <laughs> I know, right? Best place. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hilarious, because there's all these, like, crazy hooligans trying to break out of the bus that's bringing them to the place, and the SWAT just beat them back into the bus, and then, you know.
1: So it was, uh, sounds like all fun and games. Um, so what was something that... Uh, made you love Krakow and something that made you really want to be here and continue being here. I know for me um the 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 city itself and once I got used to the people um the I and, and the uh, air. Yeah, well, I yeah. still have to get used to the air. You get but, addiction to this air. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I really I fell in love with uh honestly with the people and all my Polish friends and uh uh it's it's an amazing city to live in i think um this is coming from a like knoxville tennessee like i love 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 knoxville and this is i think krakow is one of the only cities i've been in that kind of gives me that same feel but it's also so old and there's so many different people here and um like once i did make those polish friends like they were so very welcoming and like come on man like come on out let's go have a good time and or or just sit there and talk about like poetry and history and philosophy. But for was a long was time. the
3: the crux of the first city
1: you visited in Poland? Um, so before I lived here, I visited. Um, so, so funny thing is, my family history is from a uh, uh, Swoopsk, uh-huh. which is you know at then was part of once upon a time part of Germany. Um, yeah. So me and my father came here on like a family history fact finding mission and
3: funny thing actually that my my family is also story goes from from my mom's side we might be relatives yeah Yeah, but yeah so
1: what's something that made you fall in love or fall
3: in love well with Krakow okay the thing is that um, I came studying Jagiellon University uh, at a second year and year uh, and the first year of my studies I used to study in Warsaw and you know, Warsaw, I didn't really fall in love in Warsaw. And when I moved to Krakow, the first thing is I noticed that Krakow is just a huge, huge old town with a very beautiful architecture and history. You can just see it everywhere. And second thing, because uh, Krakow doesn't have this, you know, mentality of the capital, everybody, are very, there are no arrogant people at all. Everybody super friendly. You can easily get along with everyone. And I. it was super easy for me to find friends in here. And... Uh, yeah, and the other thing is, of course, the nightlife is so good in here. Like, uh, of course, there are a lot of... It's pretty trashy sometimes when you're walking <laughs> from the center to home and see, like, all the drunk people. But the nightlife is so much better in Warsaw in my, uh, than in Warsaw, in my opinion, here. Yeah, so...
1: And you guys, is, is what that do you something think? something that's very important as a student uh, as to for socialization and... Uh, uh, you Basically, about meeting people and uh, just being out there and experiencing life,
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and that was also for me the most, uh, the biggest, bi- biggest thing for me uh, for my love about Krakow, uh, architecture and just the life here. I think I have my my quality of life is extremely good for me uh, coming from Western European country. Krak- uh, Krakow is an extremely cheap city, and I. With, with with the money that I would use in the Netherlands and that I have here now, uh, I, I can almost live like a king. And especially for student standards. And that sounds maybe really, really strange and really out of the... Uh, like, uh, almost out of sort a uh, certain form of arrogancy. Uh, but I don't mean it that way. It's just that our standard in the Netherlands is so different and our price level is so much higher. Um, it's, it's really... Uh, yeah on a different level to compare those two
3: yeah honestly when i came to to poland from the united states i for the first year i really forgot how to cook i was only ordering food and going to restaurants of course now situation is different but at first
0: yeah it was like that absolutely absolutely and what about for you guys
4: oh man yeah i just uh remember in the us it was like Okay, this can make me sound like an alcoholic, but I I promise I'm not, I'm not, besides (laughs) Vietnamese snake wine, but, you know, like, three bucks for uh, 250 milliliters of beer. Or, you know, bread, for example, trash, right? And it's, like, five bucks for a whole loaf, and here it's, like, one. And so I I, I do understand your point. Like, you really do live a lot better than you would... Um, and if, in the U.S., for example, I'd be like $100,000 in debt if I did my bachelor's there. Uh, well, of course, with out-of-state tuition and things like that. Whereas here, I'm getting just as good of an education, doing it in three years and doing it for a much lower price. It, it, especially when factoring in cost of living. So, it's,
0: Ab- Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Same situation.
5: Yeah, it has been the, the same for me. And, and I guess it, maybe it happened to you too at the beginning, Olivier, because I I don't get accustomed to, to SWOTD. I, my mind only works in euros, so I find myself the whole time taking out the converter to see what prices are. And I'm always surprised of how cheap things are overall compared to Spain, for example, or the Netherlands, I guess.
0: You, you will get used to it. And uh, I must say, though, in the beginning, when I came to Krakow, the, uh, the, the currency rate, the exchange rate, was 1 euro for 4.34 zloty. Right now, it's 1 euro for 4.6 zloty. So, I must say, life has even gotten cheaper, no matter that during Corona, I have the feeling that the the price level increased enormously here, even in Krakow. Um, So, maybe it balances out in the end. But uh, I also have problems indeed, like converting the money in the beginning, but you'll get used to it.
5: Yeah, and I guess it was uh, very, very special after spending a year and a half, basically, confined to your home to not only see everyone again in the university, in the streets, but also to see again Erasmus students, because that was also sort of halted for a year and a half, seeing them again in the streets and being able to move to other places in the country and go around and see that international life that characterises Kraków going again.
0: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. And um, in the first years, we did not have much Erasmus students, though. So, uh, you know, eventually you just start missing people in general. And uh, it was so weird to see, to walk over uh, René Gouvne and see <laughs> just the square completely empty. It was great for photos, but it was very miserable to see, because you see all those businesses, all those restaurants were closed and um, a lot of them went bankrupt. It's, it's just so incredibly sad. It's a very, very
6: sad view. And I don't know. um... Yeah, I might be able to provide some insight as the only non EU, but one of the only non EU citizens here. So I'm from Peru, right? And the currency uh, exchange is almost one on one. So definitely that was one of the factors that uh, settled coming here to Poland. So it was like living in the capital of Peru, Lima, Uh, like perhaps a little bit more expensive. But but yeah, it it was one of the facts that like made me come here because it's inside the EU, but it's still pretty affordable and one thing that i don't really understand is why the shops are closed on sundays like for me it doesn't make sense because like in peru that's where the day when everyone has the time to go to the malls like in family or go out with your friends to eat something so so that for me was a little bit of a shock here
3: yeah again to one of the things that surprised me when i came to the Krakow to the poland yeah again i guess it's uh uh, strictly connected to the, to the God, to the religion <laughs> because Sunday is for praying Sunday is for going to the church right so uh, Sunday
0: can, is the rest day the Sunday official rest, rest day, day and, yeah, and uh, according um, of course in Poland uh, a lot of places don't have a choice but due to religion uh, due to the reasons of religion a lot of uh, um, a lot of shops keep being closed on Sundays um but maybe to sum up because we have uh, we are over 40 minutes now so we had a quite good talk yeah. um maybe we can end with uh w- with liz uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit what makes Krakow Krakow for you what makes a city uh what makes you want to want to live here and want to study here
2: um like um like was said before i really do love the architecture walking around the first week i was um I was really impressed with all the buildings and, like, just the feel that Krakow has. Like, it's a city, but it doesn't feel too busy. Like, there's there's plenty to, to do, but it's not overwhelming. I really, I just like the, the feeling that the city has.
0: Exactly. the I think the vibe in Krakow is, yeah. is very, very I special. A parks,
6: a lot of nature as well. L-
0: yeah, lots of nature. It's a I very green that. city in the end. I mean, you wouldn't guess so with the smog, of course, but I think in general <laughs> when we talk about trees... Yeah. Box, uh, there's uh, there's plenty of them.
3: Government of Krakow, please contact us for <laughs> 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 we'll the, the city. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a very wonderful city, and very very happy and proud that I'm studying here, and especially with the offline mode. And I hope that we will not go to back to the old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I I think we all um, hope that, and maybe we can end on a positive note with that. That you know, we we are really grateful. I think to be to be here again and that we have the possibility also to do this podcast, of course, and, and all be together in this uh, in this new room in a new building of, uh, of, of our faculty and um yeah so this this podcast was basically meant to introduce our team uh the coming uh the coming weeks uh, the coming months to make we're gonna make podcasts uh, for you uh as mentioned in the previous podcast we are planning to interview um to, to hold interviews with different professors to organize discussions debates um very open like like today today of course was was even more loose because it was just the introduction and um I would like to bring out our uh, our special thanks for our guest, Brendan, uh, today. And anyway, uh, I wish everyone a very, very nice day and um, enjoy the long weekend. Thank you.